We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. Letting go last week, and we started with a reminder. And the reminder was the distinction between religion and spirituality. Spirituality, we said, is internal experience. It's finding meaning, or it's finding inner peace, or it's connecting to something that is bigger than ourselves. Spirituality is experience. Religion, on the other hand, is the structure that helps us toward that experience. Religion is structure. It's the structure of teaching us the meaning-making stories, helping us to learn and then apply the spiritual practices like we did today with body scan. Reminds us when we forget to do the things, to remember the things, to help each other do the things, help each other remember the things. Spirituality is internal experience. Religion is external structure to help us move toward the experience. We also saw last week that every major religion has structure, has tools, has a curriculum for the spiritual practice of letting go. Because, turns out, letting go is pretty important if we're going to move into spiritual experience. Our brains are wired to latch on to things and then to stay latched. Clutchy grabby, that was the term I used last week, we latch on to, for example, a job title because it signals some kind of an accomplishment that we have worked toward. Or we latch on to a relationship because that relationship fulfills us at a deep place and so we get attached to that. We latch on to a role that we play that gives us meaning or that it gives us purpose. Or we latch on to something simple like a favorite sweater or a pair of jeans or a ring that has sentimental value. And the thing is, we need jobs and we need relationships. We do have roles to play. We do need sweaters and jeans and cherished memories. The things themselves are not really the point of the letting go curriculum. The point is the clutchy grabby. The point is the thing that happens inside of us around the things. The death grip that we fasten on to these kinds of things. So thank you, religious traditions, all of them, ours included. Thank you for tools that will help us. Now, I said last week that this lesson will focus on the very practical tools, and we will, practical tools for letting go. But this is the introductory context part of the lesson, so I want to make sure that we catch the bigger why before we start to move into the practical how. Today, I want to reinforce what I said last week by telling the story of my son, and I'm going to do that by telling another story about my wife. <laughs> I told last week how my son is wired for sales, and being so, he has all the innate traits that make him really good at it, but the very traits that have given him so much success, now as his career is growing more and more complex, those same traits are not serving him as well. So his inner way of being needs some adjusting, needs reimagining, re needs adapting, but 
damn, that's hard, we saw last week. So if you missed that story, you can catch up online. The point was how difficult it is once we settle into our way of being to let go of our way of being, to let go of our way of making it in the world. Of all the things that we latch on to, that, our way of being, our way of making it in the world, that is the hardest to let go of. That's where we get the most clutchy grabby. Because we do have these bedrock beliefs about who we are, about how we are, about how the world is, and those are the hardest to let go. So when religion provides us a set of letting go practices, a set of letting go tools, we start by applying them in very practical ways, letting go of titles and status and roles, letting go of sweaters and jeans and rings, because we do that, and if we do, uh, it helps get us ready for the eventual letting go of these very bedrock who I am things that we latch onto. So, I told that story about my son on Sunday, and then on Monday morning, uh, looking at a week off, I uh, slept a little bit later, and then joined Denise on the couch uh, for coffee, and as soon as I sat down, she started talking. She'd been sitting there waiting for me, journaling and thinking about the lesson. She was thinking about Michael. She was thinking about herself. By the way, now we're into the second story. We're starting now. So she had been journaling about her own way of making it in the world and what the texture of that way of making it in the world was. Also, <clears throat> she'd been following religion's letting go curriculum and she's been doing for quite some time. She's been observing the impact that her way of making it in the world has had on her life. My way, she said, when I sat on the couch, is just the opposite of Michael's way. For me, it's not carefree optimism that has helped me make it in the world. For me, it has not been the connecting freely way that Michael makes it in the world. I see how that really does work for Michael, but for me, my way, the way that has worked for me is don't ever be lazy. That's my way. Don't ever be lazy. For me, it is the work hard, make things better, do good things, and do them well. That has been my way. And just like, just like Michael way, Michael's way has worked for him, this has really worked for me. Many of the good things that I've had in my life, she said, many of the good things that we have had in our lives, in our kids' lives, in our community, are because this has been my way of making it in the world. But just like Michael, my way hit a wall some years ago and it stopped being optimal. The ugly side of my way, the painful side, started to show up and has started to get really obvious. So for a long time now, my spiritual practice, she said, has been all about this letting go practice. Letting go of the limiting constraints of my way of making it in the world. So just now, she said, sitting here journaling about my inner world, we are now on the cusp of five days of nothing to do. We don't have anywhere to go. 
we don't have anything that we have to do, and I am feeling, she said, bad feelings. <laughs> it's not really one word kind of bad feelings. It's a mix of words. One of those words in the mix would be lazy. Another word would be wasteful. Maybe the word empty would apply. Not the best thing. That is in the mix. So some part of me, even though we've planned for these days off, even though some part of me thinks my focus should be elsewhere. I should be focused on something that advances my life or makes our lives better. Maybe I should be some, doing some kind of important self-work. Maybe I should be reading some important book. And yeah, she said, these feelings are a problem <laughs> because the whole point of these days was to do nothing, <laughs> was to rest. And this, she said, this struggle that I'm having this morning, it embodies the downside of my way of making it in the world. How difficult it is for me to rest. How difficult it is for me to just have fun or be carefree or lay around or savor simple joys. This is how blind my blind spot is, she said. Uh, here's the word that keeps coming up as I've been journaling, the word frivolous. Because in my way of being in the world, fun or rest or savoring the simple joys of life, frivolous, unimportant, shallow, trivial. So, she said, how blind is that? Now, <clears throat> she said this part, but I've actually seen her doing it. She said, I've been working on this. I've been working on it a good long time. Consequently, look at this. And she pointed to the journal that was on the couch beside her. She said, here's what I've done. In the last hour, I've noticed these bad feelings. I didn't used to notice them. I'd been sitting here, and I've been thinking about and processing these bad feelings. I didn't used to do that. Used to, I would just get up and react to the feelings. Used to, I would just get up and run like a chicken. I would do uh, something to make the feelings stop. But I have been using the tools. And I have been following the curriculum. And my inner drivers don't have nearly the power over me that they once had. But damn, if they're still not there. Sitting on a couch by the fire on a chilly morning, five days of nothing that we have to do, and sure enough, that thing is still in there. My driving story would still like to drive me. Now let me pause the story for just a moment and say that is no small thing. <laughs> that is we should have a party kind of step forward in a person's life. To be able to stand outside of our inner driving feelings and have the capacity to both notice them but not react to them, that is huge. Good on Denise, but also good on a lot of us because I know many of us have been experiencing that same kind of capacity. We've been doing the practices. We have been able to see our inner drivers and we have been able to distance ourselves from them and not immediately react to them. 
Now I know that one of the tools in the curriculum that Denise has been steady with, we practiced this morning. She's been paying attention to her body, like the body scan that we did together this morning. And that practice, paying attention to her body, she's been doing it intentionally now for several years. She's given specific times to the practice to sit and do very formally, like what we just did now, pay attention to the feet, pay attention to the legs, those kinds of things, but also in a generalized, non-specific time, just paying attention to what's going on in her body. And because she's been doing that as long as she has been, that was preparation for this moment so that she could sit on the couch, the feelings could kick in, and she could not get up and run away from them. So again, good on her. Notice what's happening in our bodies, not react to what's happening in our bodies, not fall for the standard go-to strategies that we have deployed to make the bad feelings go away, but to instead explore them and what's driving them. That's a profound step forward on the spiritual journey. Now here's the thing, religion, the infrastructure, helped her do the practice that helped her come to that point of spiritual awakening. Religion gave her the practice, religion gave her the people and the schedule and the reminders to help her actually do the practice and then having done the practice for a long time, able to sit there uncomfortably and practice letting go, letting go, letting go. That's why we do religion's curriculum. That's why we do the ancient practices. It's why we do body scans, why we do body awareness. It's why we do all of the practices because in the moment when the interior story, my way of being in the world kicks in and starts driving the agenda, it's going to show up in our bodies. It's going to show up somewhere in our guts or in our necks or in our shoulders. It's going to show up as th these embodied souls that Heather called us. It's going to show up somewhere in the body. And how we get ready for that moment, we do the body scan when it's not kicking in. So yeah, Denise has been following the curriculum. Then the feelings come up and she's able to not distract, not sidestep, not deflect, not divert. Instead, she sits there and practices letting go, letting go, letting go. The way she has made it in the world, her way is a good way. It is not good enough. So by the time I join her on the couch, she has both seen the story, she has journaled about the story, she can tell me the story, and she's even seen some texture to the story that she hadn't seen in other times doing this. And she said to me, here's the story that drives so much of my life. Rest is something that we deserve. Deserve. Somehow, I have to earn it. If I haven't earned my rest, then I don't deserve my rest. And the way that I earn it, the way that I deserve it, is a little bit unreasonable. <laughs> because in order to rest peacefully, I have to first take care of what needs to be taken care of. If I do that first, then 
okay, I'll rest. Then, okay, I'll enjoy. Then, okay, I'll relax. Then, okay, I'll be frivolous. But the thing is, that has really worked for me in my life. We've got a nice word for it. We call it delayed gratification. And who doesn't think delayed gratification is a good idea? It really works for us. But the problem is, she said, what needs to be taken care of is never taken care of. It is never taken care of. So with that story in my brain, the one story that I latched on to in my brain when I was just a little girl, the one that has become my way of making it in the world, if I keep letting that story have its way, I will never rest and I will never relax and I will never be spontaneous and I will never be joyous and I will never be frivolous and I will never savor fun. That story, that way of being, that's the space where I have to practice letting go, letting go, letting go. So she said, I've been sitting here on the couch waiting for you and I've been practicing letting go, letting go. And the way that I've been practicing it is I've just been allowing myself to feel the discomfort of not getting up and doing something productive. <laughs> feeling this discomfort of this frivolous moment. And I've been feeling it in my body and I've been watching where in my body it happens and I've been insisting of myself just sit there, damn it. <laughs> sit through the discomfort. Do not distract myself from the discomfort. Do not get up and start doing something. Do not entertain myself in order to distract myself. Feel the feelings, see the story, then let it go, let it go, let it go. And my Lord, I've been at this a long time. After all this time, that tenacious story is still in there and I am still practicing letting it go, letting it go. Thank God it's better than it was, but it is still in there. Well, that's what this lesson is about. We start practical. We start with the practices, the practices of letting go of practical stuff. Thank you, religion. There is a curriculum. Thank you, religion. There are tools. But let's keep in mind, when we get to the practical tools part, the practical tools part are about this. Letting go of the interior drivers that internally drive us. Letting go starts, for example, by developing a regular practice of body scan. It's a good place to start the practice. We could start by having some kind of regular Lenten practice, some giving up something. doesn't have to happen during Lent. Some practice of letting go of something that has undue attachment in our minds. Letting go can start with some practical tool that we integrate into our lives and begin living on a regular basis. But that's where the letting go practice starts. It doesn't stop there. Those practices about practical things take us somewhere. They take us to the dismantling of identities that we have come to believe are me, the core of who we are, 
the way that we have relied on being in the world. Which, as we've said, while they're good and while they're true and while they're helpful in some ways, are not true or good or helpful enough. So last week I gave us a homework assignment. And I said, uh, I want you to watch yourself. I hope you did. I hope you tried it. Watch yourself this week and try to distinguish between two kinds of good feelings. The good feeling we get when we get something that we want. Maybe we get an accomplishment or maybe we get some recognition or maybe we complete a task and we do the job well and we get the good feeling that comes from doing a job well. And I said, now try to also see if you have another kind of good feeling and distinguish that good feeling from this one, from the good feeling that you get when you are surprised by something beautiful. Maybe something beautiful in nature, maybe a human being expression of beauty, maybe an expression of love or kindness or goodness. Maybe you get caught up doing something and lose yourself in the moment of that doing. You are engrossed enough in the thing that you forget self. I was talking to my son about how it went telling his story this week, and he said, you know, that thing happens to me. I lose myself when I'm snowboarding. He said, sometimes in that moment of snowboarding, I will even find myself weeping because of the joy of the presence of being in that moment. And so this dis distinguishing the difference between the I got something happy moment and the I am caught by something happy moment. Maybe you might get caught up in a beautiful story in a book or in a movie or in hearing, hearing an important truth uh, spoken well. So I'm going to make that the homework assignment uh, again this week for a few reasons. First, because there's a good chance you didn't do it this week. <laughs> Second, because it's a really big job. Hard to do it well in only a week. But third, if you did try and do it this week, odds are, if you paid attention, you noticed a very disproportionate ratio. The number of times that you experienced the good feelings from getting something, your way of making it in the world actually worked out. The ratio of those times to the times when you were captured by beauty, the ratio was probably very disproportionate because it's easy to miss that second kind of good feeling because our minds have an evolutionary bias. We are biased toward the other kinds of good feelings because here's what those other good feelings do. They keep us doing whatever we did to get those feelings and, here's the key word, make it in the world. So, of course, our brains uh, have that kind of bias. You heard... Uh, Heather using my notes from earlier about why we do the body scan because the prefrontal cortex says I'm going to keep you alive. I'm going to do everything I can to keep you alive. I'm going to make sure you get out there and eat, hunt, gather, and have babies because if you do that, the species will go on. And so the bias is toward those kinds of good feelings. But religion creates a curriculum to develop a spirituality around the other kind of good feelings. Not just the making it in the world kinds of good feelings. The religion points us, when it's doing its job well, to less dependence upon the former kind of good feelings and more awareness of the latter kind of good feelings. Because the former, limited at best. 
the latter, limitless. So that's what I would like us to try again this week. Observe, do we find moments in which we are caught by beauty? Or in which we are engrossed in something so deeply we become self-forgetful? Because that way of being gets closer to what it means to be the authentic me. But I'd also like to try us to try a second thing this week. Um, <clears throat> maybe right now you might set a reminder in your phone so you remember to do it this week. And that is to notice bad feelings. <clears throat> and in the noticing, try not to respond immediately to the bad feelings but instead to try and do what Denise did sitting on the couch this week, what our body scan invites us to do this morning, to just notice and not yet do anything about it. There'll be time to do anything about it. We're not just going to let the world go to hell in a handbasket. We will take care of shit that needs to be taken care of. We'll do that. But for a moment, let's just notice it and try our best to keep ourselves from distracting ourselves from the feelings. And if you can, you get some bonus points if you can begin the process of letting go, but that might come after some practice. Let's start by being watchers of our feelings. Let's watch the positive ones and watch which kind they are. Let's watch the negative ones and try not to react in response to make those bad feelings go away. So if we can be observers of what goes on in our bodies instead of reactors to what goes on in our bodies, later we can begin to think about the practices, very practical practices of letting go, letting go, letting go. And eventually come to the place where we can let go of the drivers that drive those feelings in the first place. So that's the assignment this week. Watch for two kinds of good feelings, making it in the world good feelings, surprised by beauty, captured by a moment, good feelings. And notice our bad feelings, try not to react to them in order to make them stop, try and locate them in our bodies and just watch them. Then when we get into the practical part of this lesson, you'll have context around what we're actually doing when we're letting go, letting go, letting go. So in Dwelling Divine, may we grow into the skill, grow into the capacity of letting go of those things that drive us. Amen. Well, if you would, please prepare your offerings. Uh, we have been a very generous community. And there are a lot of things that have come up and that will be coming up that in a very practical way take dollars. And so thank you very much for contributing dollars to the community. Uh, I have an idea in my mind to come to you at some time in the future. I'm going to meet with the board today and talk about it. And I might ask you for a bunch of money. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to, but I might. But if I do, I'll explain to you why. Uh, but let's first just get caught up from being a little bit behind from the move and uh, let's think about that. So um, if you're behind in your giving, this is a good time to catch up. Remember what I say all the time. It is always a good return on investment when we invest in spiritual community because we give those resources, our dollars included, and our love, 
and going out and making friends because the summertime schedule is loosening up, making time to invest in one another. We invest in the community. Then the community takes that resource and gives it back to us and amplifies the well-being of our lives and our souls, creating the environment that human beings were designed to live in, environment of authentic, supporting community. So we all give on the website now. Go to the top. There's a donate button. Uh, please do that. And as uh, we are getting ready to dismiss the folks online, if you would, please put your hand on your heart. Uh, wait a minute. Don't do that yet. Take your hand off of your heart. Those of you online, we're going to do What Are You Thinking here in the room. Uh, we encourage you to join uh, the What Are You Thinking that's happening on Zoom. I'm going to give you the correct password this week. I'm not going to give you the code to get into my alarm in my house. <laughs> you go to the front page of our website, and you go to uh, the, the link that says What Are You Thinking on Zoom, and you put in the, the code 1417. That is correct, right? One, four, one, seven. All right. I hope you'll do it. I know there's all kinds of resistance to doing that. Why in the world would you do that? Who knows? They might be mean to you. But I promise you they won't. And I also promise you that if you do this over time, you'll begin to develop a set of network, uh, a network of relationships, even online, that'll become very enriching for your life. Hope you'll do it. Uh, now, put your hand on your heart. Let's dismiss those folks. Let's remember as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine which means we have within us everything we need. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, what our scriptures call the fruit of the Spirit, it is in us. And if you would, extend your other hand to our city. Let's look for opportunities this week to share the stuff that's already in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. We are dismissed. Uh, those if these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.